Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in-depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are visiting with John Wood. Dr. Wood is the Robert A. Welch Distinguished Professor and Cancer Prevention Research Institute of Texas Scholar for the Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry and Director of the Wood Research Group. His research focuses on developing chemical synthesis of naturally occurring molecules that possess medicinal properties. Wood came to Baylor in 2013 after serving as a faculty member at Yale University for 13 years and for seven years at Colorado State. A lot of great things have happened here since uh, he joined the university, and we'll talk about some of that and more on the program ahead. Dr. Wood, really great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me today, Derek. Well, uh, we'll get a dive into what it is that, that you do and what it means, but let's, get, let's first get a picture of what your work world looks like. If we were to just visit your lab, if there's such thing as a normal day, what sorts of things might we see taking place? Well, if you were to walk into the lab right now, for example, there'd be 13 students, maybe 14 students working in the lab, some of them, one of them a postdoc. The, most of them are graduate students and two or three undergraduates typically. Uh, everybody in the lab has their own project that they're working on, except for the undergraduates. They work in, in conjunction with a graduate student. And uh, every day, those graduate students will be doing a new chemical reaction, typically, something that they've not done before. And different aspects of that work involve purifying whatever they may be starting that reaction with, running the reaction itself purifying or isolating the products at the end and determining what happened. Then in addition to that, in the laboratory, in addition to the laboratory itself, there's a office area. So students will be working on writing a manuscript perhaps for publication or working on a grant proposal of some type or a presentation that they might be giving that week at group meeting or every, every week they have to write a report to to give to me. So they'll be working on those as well. When you say a project, and you mentioned reactions and things of that nature, what, what kinds of projects might they be doing? So our lab focuses on the synthesis of small molecules. And so each student has a different molecule that they're working to try to develop a synthesis of. So I gave a little 30-second version at the beginning of the show of what you do. Could, could you unpack that a little bit more? Like if you were talking to someone, say, at church, and they said, well, what do you do? How, how would you describe that? I I would say that I, if I wanted to re relate that to somebody that was completely foreign with what would be going on in our lab or, or unfamiliar with what's going on in our laboratory, I would say I'm training the students to be very sophisticated pastry chefs. Okay. Okay. So what we're trying to make instead of making a cake or or a, a queen amon or something like that, we're we're trying to put together a small molecule, mm -hmm. and we'll go through the steps. You know, one step at a time, the same way if I were going to be making a pastry. I might be making the dough. I might be making the butter brick. I'll be layering the the dough and the butter together as different steps along the way to eventually come with this end product that I'm trying to make. In in cooking, you know, you can analyze whether or not your, your reactions work by tasting that end product and seeing whether you enjoy what you've just made. And the laboratory will look at with using instruments, different instruments in the chemistry department that we have to see whether or not what we've just done has worked uh, the way we'd like it to. What kinds of molecules are these? Do they come from products or is it uh, – wh 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 how can we picture those? Sure. All the molecules that we work on, people would call it natural products. So these are 
molecules that have been isolated from some source in nature, whether it's a, a sponge in the ocean, whether it's been comes from a bacteria in the soil that's been producing this molecule, or one of the compounds, for example, that we made was found in a in a fungus that was growing on a juniper bush in Dripping Springs, Texas. Wow! So that's uh, they're all natural products, small molecules. Visiting with John Wood from Baylor Chemistry and Biochemistry, and Dr. Wood. So if in baking a you know a great cake or whatever is the end product. How can we, what, what kind of end products, what, what's the end product from your lab to the next step? The end product in our laboratory is an exact reproduction or replica of what nature has made in, in the plant or the microorganism or wherever this compound has been isolated from. Where we go with it from there is typically, that, that's probably where most of the projects, the vast majority, 99% of the projects end. We don't explore them further. These compounds, you could ask, well, what drove somebody to isolate this compound from nature in the first place? Why? And uh, typically, there'll be people who will be studying plants. They'll extract those plants and explore those extracts to see if they have an interesting biological property. And if it does, then they'll they'll take the time to isolate what's responsible for that biological property in the plant. And typically, it's a small molecule of the type we'll prepare. And so the compounds that we're preparing do have interesting biological properties, but our focus in our laboratory is really just the training of students on how to put these molecules together, not so much uh, on the biological and properties of these compounds. You know, I know we, at the beginning we talk about the Cancer Prevention Research Institute of Texas. CPRIT uh, funding has been a big part of what you do. So if people are thinking about a cancer therapeutic down the line, I guess you're very, very early in that process. Sure. Our, our process, if, if you're going to be developing a therapeutic in a company where you'd actually like to develop a drug for the treatment of cancer, you would have chemists working in your company who you might who are called medicinal chemists. They're exploring looking for new small molecules that might have the, the type of activity that they are, they would hope to see in an anti-cancer drug. And then you would have also in those companies chemists who would ultimately be responsible for manufacturing those compounds on a larger scale, making enough to be put into pills that, or, or whatever, however this drug is going to be administered, but making enough of that material to do the assessment of safety or to, do, to go ahead and, and go forward with the drug. The chemists in my laboratory, the chemistry that they're learning, the students, what they're learning could be applied at either phase in that process, at the very beginning, in the discovery phase, or in the very end, the manufacturing phase. And so they're learning all aspects of that chemistry in the laboratory. We don't necessarily apply it at the end. It's, it's really the learning that we stop when the learning of when a student has learned how to put these molecules together. We are visiting with Dr. John Wood. And Dr. Wood, I want to ask you about your students and mentorship here in just a little bit, but also want to zoom out and ask you about uh, what brought you to Baylor. You've been here at Baylor through some uh, eventful times for the University of, of Growth in, in research and towards R1. So I'm curious, 2013, you came to Baylor. What was it that, that brought you here? Well, I had come to Baylor in 2012 or 2011, somewhere in that time frame, at the invitation of Chuck Garner, who used to be on the faculty here at, in the chemistry department at Baylor, Chuck turned out to be my mentor as an undergraduate at the University of Colorado, and he had invited me down to give a seminar. And uh, 
I'd never been to Baylor before. I knew a little bit about Baylor, but not much. I my expectations were to find a a small liberal arts college in in the center of Texas. But when I arrived, the Baylor Sciences Building was here. It was a much more uh, bigger operation than I thought it was going to be at the time. <clears throat> so I was surprised by that. And then uh, after giving the seminar, I had gone back to Fort Collins. That's where Colorado State University is. And uh, a few weeks later, Chuck had called on the phone and told me that you know they had the this Welch chair position at Baylor. The faculty had enjoyed my seminar. They were curious whether or not I would be interested in a position at Baylor. And I'd have to say that had I not come down for that visit, my initial response would have been, no, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy where I am. But I I saw considerable potential when I was here during that seminar visit. And so I came back and, and uh, explored this opportunity as, as being the Welch chair at Baylor and then went forward with the interview process and and applied eventually for the Cancer Prevention Research Institute of Texas. They have a, a recruitment of established investigators grant that provides considerable more, more funding when, when you come to the – if you were to accept the job and uh, that grant came through. And so I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this looks good. Is that a pretty good competitive advantage for for Texas when and for universities in Texas when you've got CPRID or the Welch Foundation or things of that nature? Yes, it's an excellent uh, an excellent advantage. It's not only an advantage for recruiting young new faculty, they have programs for that. They have uh, programs for recruiting established investigators. Plus, they just have grants pro- grant programs that researchers can apply for, and so all of those are. Limited to people doing research in Texas, and so it's definitely an advantage. You know, you mentioned you saw a lot of potential at Baylor, and the BSB had been up and running for about a decade at that point, but we we're still a few years away from things like R1. You know, it's one thing to have vision. It's a, you know, I suppose it's another thing to, to pull it off. What, what made you confident that Baylor could, could reach some of those goals? Well, at, at the time that I arrived, I'd already seen, you know, how things were working at Yale for many years, and then I saw how things were working at CSU. And, and in my brief visits here, I could see a little of a glimpse of how committed people were to the notion of growing the research enterprise here. It was, uh, you know, when I visited kind of in the interview process, I think it was, where we were, my family had come down with me. We were given a tour of Baylor and the athletic facilities. And we'd known that uh, Baylor had a strategic plan where they wanted to grow their research enterprise, but also they wanted to improve their R1 athletics. But they built the BSB before they built McLean Stadium. And so in my mind, the priorities were right. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Coach Aranda, but you know well, he, he uh, might he might actually uh, agree with you. He <laughs> might, yeah. So that was that was good, and so I there was when I talk about potential, you have the facilities, you had pretty good instrumentation, space to grow, and definitely the commitment in the administration to do that. And so uh, those were definitely attract attractions. Yeah. I, in the world, in the in higher ed, you know, obviously, you know, like with Coach Aranda, McLean Stadium, he takes a student athlete there in high school. They're going to be impressed, um, or you know, maybe a coach that he wants to join his staff or whatever. As a faculty member, how can we envision how the BSB sort of stacks up in in that world? I think we can. A lot of us who are sports fans can picture a lot of the different stadiums or basketball arenas. But how does the BSB compare? No, the BSB is excellent. It's the best facility that I've ever worked in in my career instrumentation here is 
better and more accessible than I've had access to before. And so uh, it's made uh, it's made the recruiting of students uh, easier. It's also made the recruiting of faculty easier, having that in place. Uh, we were able to, uh, through the auspices of the CPRIT grant, build out instrumentation that was needed for my research, but instrumentation that could be shared and be attractive to, to new faculty members that would want to, to come to Baylor and start their research program or continue their research programs who were able to recruit. Daniel Romo, for example, from Texas A&M, I think largely due to the facilities that we had put in place. And uh, uh, also then after not only just having the facilities, the next next phase after I arrived was to begin to try to attract students that were uh, going to be excellent graduate students and be able to go on to good places and also demonstrate that the students that were in my group could be placed into good positions. And so once you've demonstrated that you can succeed here, not only in terms of attracting good graduate students, in terms of uh, doing good work and publishing good papers, bringing in grant money, then it's a little bit easier to attract other faculty to that situation. So. This is Baylor Connections. We are visiting with Dr. John Wood, the Robert A. Welch Distinguished Professor and Cancer Prevention Research Institute of Texas Scholar for Baylor's Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry. And you mentioned attracting students, Dr. Wood. So let's talk about your your, your lab group. And, uh, you know, over certainly now and over the years, uh, we were pleased to have you in Baylor Marketing be a part of our R1 campaign that, that launched last week. And when we visited with you, you know, I asked you some questions thinking, you know, maybe we'd talk a lot about the, the chemistry, the science, the cancer prevention. And you did. But what really seemed to make you come alive was talking about your, your, your students. So, so let's talk about that. First off, just broadly, uh, what, what do you enjoy most about the lab group experience, the professor, other scientists, postdocs, and students? Well, the lab group experience is that you're dealing with a, a, con a constant group of people who are young and enthusiastic about where they are. That it's Teaching is enjoyable. Teaching large classes of students is fun. I enjoy that. But n not everybody in my organic chemistry class, sophomore organic chemistry class, is interested in organic chemistry, and they shouldn't be. They're here to explore you know, the things and find the things that they're interested in and not interested in. But most everybody, everybody that comes into the lab group is interested. They want to be there. They want to learn, and they're eager. And so that's a very fun situation to be in when you have a very captive group of students that you can work with. And you get to work closely with them for a number of years. I'm in the lab daily, speak with everybody daily. Uh, and you end up spending lots of time with these students, and they eventually become just like an extension of your family. And it's a very uh, close relationship that's developed, and that's, uh, that's I think, the most uh, enjoyable aspect of the job is just being able to constantly develop uh, great relationships with really, really talented people. For you personally, what does mentorship mean? What does mentorship mean in the context of who you're with on a daily basis? Well, to me, it, mentorship means um, I need, I'm trying to provide an opportunity for the students in the laboratory, generating an environment in which, that they, in which they can thrive and also uh, an environment in which they can learn uh, the subject that we're you – know, the skills and develop the skill set that I want to see them develop in the course of their PhD. So it's really – mentorship to me is providing an, 
an opportunity in supporting the students through this learning process. It's not just teaching them the subject, but it's overseeing the whole development of them as they go through the PhD. You know, when you're th- thinking about, you know, you talked about the fact that you create these molecules and 99% of them hit a wall, uh, you know, fairly, fairly early in the process. And certainly when you're thinking about cancer, it's it's a long game. It's a very, very long game. And you're training students to play play a role in that. What is it that is it? I want to say hard. Obviously, you all enjoy what you do. Is it hard to stay motivated? How do you break that down into the kind of bite-sized aspects that keep, you know, the carrot and the stick and the goals in front of you? Well, the drive, I think, for to do that in, a, in the long term, I, I think you can sum that up just by saying, uh, you know, conquering the unknown would be what you're, you know, what drives you. And the students get the in the laboratory, they get to conquer the unknown almost on a daily basis. You know, every day when they come to the lab, they're going to set up an experiment, and they don't know whether that's going to work or do what it is they would hope that it does. And so that's an unknown by the end of the day. They, they know that they've been able to achieve this thing that at the beginning of the day they, weren't, they were uncertain about. Most of the time, I mean 90% of the time, the things that they try fail. And so uh, they have to deal with that a little bit. But there's enough of the success in, sprinkled in and, and dealing with discovering something that was not known before that provides enough satisfaction to get by that. A, f- a certain percentage of the time, a smaller percentage of the time, five or eight percent of the time, they may do an experiment and it works the way they want it to do. That's very gratifying. And then the small, very small percentage of the time, they'll do an experiment where uh, something completely unexpected happened. And so they'll discover something new at that point. And so it's really every day coming into the laboratory, you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, hopefully by the end of the day, it's been a learning experience in some fashion or the other. You know, Dr. Wood, earlier I asked you, you know, talk with the cake and bakery analogy, what's the, what's the uh, end goal, find a finished product? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it almost sounds like what you're really saying, and it's the students that you're passing the baton to that are the, the, the finished product. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, um, one of the biggest questions that a student will have when they're starting their graduate career is, how do you know when it's time to get the PhD? Or how do you know when, when, when is it going to be time for me to get my degree? And it, my answer is always my goal is for people that leave my laboratory to be uh, equipped with the skills to look at a molecule, design a synthesis of that molecule, and go into the laboratory and put that synthesis into practice. And the reality is is that most people can develop that skill set within about a year or two. And so why does it take four years to get the PhD then? And the other answer, part of the answer to the question that I give is that in addition to developing that skill set, you need to have a good story to tell. And a good story is a story that's filled with failure. You know, you've tried to do something and you failed, but you conquered the unknown, you figured out what happened, you've taken what you've learned, and you've solved that problem. And then you go on to the next step, and you failed. You learned what happened, you conquered that problem, and go on. So it doesn't really matter whether they finish the project that they're working on, per se. Uh, At the end of the day, they can give a job talk where they've met failure and gotten over it, met failure and gotten over it. They've become people that subliminally in their job talk, they're 
problem solvers. And that's what the world needs. And that's what people, that's what people want to hire. And so as soon as I have somebody that has the skill set and is an established problem solver, they don't get discouraged. They're ready to go. That's great. Visiting with Dr. Wood. And Dr. Wood, you said all of your students must have a hobby. Is that, uh, is that hard to enforce? Or uh, t- tell me a little bit about why that's such a key value. Well, it's not – I don't think that it's hard to enforce. Mm-hmm. But uh, in our laboratory, as I kind of indicated a little earlier, everybody has their own project. And um, that can be a very difficult environment to work in. Uh, it can You can be fairly isolated. There'll be moments in the day when – or moments, many moments in time, months maybe, where your project is not working but the person next to you, they're succeeding. And so this is a very difficult – situation to be in and just for to maintain a healthy a men, you know good mental health I think it's important for the students to step out of that situation that they're in where they're judging themselves as not good as their neighbor or they're worried about whether I'm judging how well their chemistry is doing but to step into a hobby that they have where they can be away from everybody else succeed at their own pace and do something that's gratifying to them, I think is a very important thing for them to do. And it's also, I think, important for me to tell them that it's okay to do that. They don't just have to do chemistry all the time. It's important for me uh, to have them go out and do other things. And the reality is, is that in my own experience, if I'm pursuing my own hobbies, for example, you know, there'll be many times when I'm doing something different, and, and then the thought will occur to me, oh, you know, the way we should solve this problem in the lab is, is this. And so oftentimes when you let your mind move away from the problem, the solutions will come to the surface. And so I think the students also benefit from that too. Well, I know you model that. I, your, your lab website has a, has a list of, of your hobbies. What are, what are some ways that you are able to withdraw a little bit and pursue some, some passions? Well, it depends on where... Where I am, I have a, we still maintain a home in Colorado. That's where my woodworking shop is. So if I'm in Colorado, I can do woodworking. If I'm in Texas, uh, it's cooking typically nowadays. Um, uh, those would be my two two main hobbies. I think also in more recent times, there have been small things like uh, learning how to do screen printing on, on shirts or uh, – learning how to do sandblasting to etch glass. And so we'll do gifts for the students when they finish a project. We'll make a shirt for them or, or, or sandblast the image of the molecule that they've made onto a glass or print it on the back of their shirt and it's things cool. like that. So uh, it's uh, small hobbies like that. That's pretty cool. I have a you, shirt for you here, by the way. Oh, so. well, thank you. Wow. Let's see here. Oh, this is not the wood group. Yep. Let's see. Oh, very cool. So it's got a, a lot of uh, molecule designs on the back and a bear. What's the uh, what's the bear say on it there? It says W6, but it's we had had a, a contest for a logo for the group at one time. And one of the students desperately wanted it to be WG for the wood group. And his G's looked like a six. Oh, and so uh, <laughs> that's we my made mistake. it into a six and okay. it just stuck. So it's W6. Yeah, very it cool. It should be wood group, but. Well, thank yeah. you. This is I appreciate this. Yeah, this is the this is a first on All the right. program, so I appreciate that. Thank you. And, um, Made with my own hands. Very cool. Yeah. Well, well, you, uh, you could you got another business uh, model if you ever if you ever decided you wanted that. 
So with this, you know, you've, you've got these these hobbies, these students. Let me ask you, I'm curious. So if your students have to have hobbies, have you ever had a student who had a hobby that particularly intrigued you, either made you, either made you want to try it or just fascinated you that they were interested in? Well, it? I mean, I, they're, I've had some – I can't say yes to that question. There, there are students that have hobbies, whether they're – some of them will play musical instruments, and I can wish that I could play the instrument the way they play the instrument. Or one of my recent Baylor uh, PhDs was she's a very good artist, and and uh, I just wish I've always wished that I could draw or 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 do art the way um, she's capable of doing it. She designed the bear on the back of the shirt. Oh, there. cool! So it's uh, uh, those are things that I wish that I could do. I have never tried to do them, mm-hmm. uh, but no. That's you. It sounds like you find you're probably even more intrigued by, more uh, impressed by who they are as a whole person or the the skills that they that they bring. That's right. pretty pretty neat. Right. I don't know. Maybe maybe a talent show some days in the off. You know, <laughs> have a reunion. Everybody bring their talent. I don't know. I could picture something like that. Right. Well, we are visiting with Dr. John Wood, and Dr. Wood, as we head into the final moments of the of the program, I'm curious. You know, look, looking ahead here for you, you know, you painted a great picture of what the day today is like. Is looking ahead, are there any elements within your group or what's happening at Baylor, any direction really, that has you particularly excited going forward, or is it kind of just pursuing those things we've talked about? Well, I think it. Continuing to pursue the things that we've talked about so far, I'm really looking forward to there are a couple projects that we have going on in the group that I'm – molecules that we're trying to make that I think are, are really cool compounds. They have some great biological activity. So being able to put those together and maybe explore some of that activity is an exciting thing. Um, seeing Baylor achieve R1 in rapid fashion and seeing how that evolves or continues to evolve I think is an exciting thing to look forward to. It was sort of – uh, you, you know, as you move from institutions like Yale to CSU or from CSU to Baylor, your your colleagues in the profession kind of give you a little bit of a odd look. You know, what were you thinking, you know, when you did that? So there's a little bit of very good gratification there to – they can understand now that it was a – why you would mm-hmm. do, and want to be part of something like that. So that's – and seeing where that's going to continue to go is going to be something that's interesting and – in terms of hobbies, you know, there's, you know, I have uh, the next hobby is going to be learning how to make bamboo fly rods. And because cool. I'm not getting any younger and I'm not, I don't necessarily want to spend my twilight years in my office in the BSB. I'd rather be walking the streams in Colorado and Montana uh, fly fishing with my own nice rods and flies that I've made. So those hobbies are in the early stages of development. That's cool. We'll have, to, we'll have to check out your website to see when those are ready. When you decide they're ready for prime time, they're on the website. Well, that's great. Well, we hope you get some time to enjoy those, but the uh, yeah, not too soon. We like having you here, so right. that's great. Well, thank Thanks. you very much. Dr. John Wood, our guest today on Baylor Connections. Dr. Wood serves as the Robert A. Welch Distinguished Professor and Cancer Prevention Research Institute of Texas Scholar for Baylor's Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Derek. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online at baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections. Baylor Connections.